You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. This has been an incredible week. We have had over 70 kids on this campus for Kids Camp. It was wonderful. Thank you, thank you to those of you who volunteered and helped make that happen. It is a major feat that is not easy, but it was wonderful to see all of those kids hear this incredible news that we love to share with people of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's been awesome. And then later today, after this service, we're going to celebrate baptism out at Lake Madison. And just a public service announcement, it's been raining a little bit, okay? We, when we go out there, are not not going to park on somebody's grass that's going to mess up their grass. We're going to be good neighbors to people, so we're going to go out and we're going to park where we're told to park, okay? So we're going to be careful when we head out there. And on your way out, we have baptism posters for everybody who's being baptized. So if you want to, you can write a little encouragement note on there that has their favorite verse and just tell them, hey, we're so happy for you. Sign your name. We love to be a part of the community together as we celebrate people being given new life in Jesus Christ. So there are so many amazing things happening, and as we have been in a series looking at the I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, we remember that in Exodus, when Moses is talking to the burning bush, he says, God, who should I tell Pharaoh that sent me to get the Israelites? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And Jesus, when he says all of these statements, is referencing the fact that he is God. So he says, I am something. We're going to be looking at how Jesus calls himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. We all are desiring for somebody to look over all of the things that are around us and hoping that there's something out there that we can look to or run to or, or know this, he's got it. Somebody's got control of what's happening, all the chaos around us. We see this concept in popular music. A lot of the songs that are published and, and we listen to on the radio have this theme in them. There's a song, this isn't recent, this is an older song, but we see it in several other songs, similar type of theme. But Ella Fitzgerald sang a song that was released in 1950 called Someone to Watch Over Me. She didn't write it, it was written in 1926, but she's sort of the one who popularized it. This is what the lyrics say. There's a saying old, says that love is blind. Still we're often told, seek and ye shall find. So I'm going to seek a certain lad I have in mind. Looking everywhere, haven't found him yet. He's the big affair I can't forget. Only man I ever think of with regret. I'd like to add his initial to my monogram. Tell me, where is the shepherd for this lost lamb? There is a somebody I'm longing to seal hope that he turns out to be someone who'll watch over me 
I'm a little lamb who's lost in the wood. I know I could always be good to one who'll watch over me. Although he may not be the man some girls think of as handsome, to my heart he carries the key. Won't you tell him, please, put on some speed, follow my lead. Oh, how I need someone to watch over me. This little lamb needs a shepherd to watch over me. And I, and I know you may be thinking, well, I'm, I'm no lamb. I'm not a lamb. We actually have some live footage of you trying to deal with your own problems. We found it on Facebook. I don't like Facebook, but this is a great thing. And we found live footage of you dealing with your own problems. This is, this is what it looks like. This is, let's watch this together. It's like, oh, I'm stuck. I, I need help. You help me. I'm going to kick with my one leg. I'm going to get out. And okay, I'm free. I'm free. Awesome. Yes. And I'm back in it. Right? I'm back in it. Okay, we're going to see it in slow motion again here. Real quick replay. I'm up. I'm over it. And no, I'm back right back where I started. That's you. <laughs> and that's me. You know, I think we find ourselves in a place where we ask ourselves the question, like, really, do I need, do I need a good shepherd? Do, what, is, what does a good shepherd offer us? What does a good shepherd offer me? And we see in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel that he offers us three things. He offers us real life, true life. He offers us safety and connection. Life, safety, and connection. These are the three things that Jesus, as the good shepherd, offers us. This is what you're looking for. This is what I am looking for. This is what we need. Life, safety, and connection. In verses 7 through 10, this is what is written. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The fullest expression of life is only found in Jesus Christ. He says there are all these other options and there are many people that are coming into your life and telling you, hey, if you do this or if you make this decision, your life will be better. You'll be happier. You'll feel good about yourself if you do this thing. We're told those things are thieves that have come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I'm the one that gives you the life that you are looking for, that they may have life and have it to the full. At this time, a shepherd would go out into the plains, and to protect the sheep, there were gates, like walls, circular, huge areas where they would bring the sheep for the nighttime so they would stay together and they wouldn't lose any sheep overnight. 
There was one gate that all of the sheep went through, and the shepherd would sleep at the entrance of the gate so that the sheep would be protected. He says, look, I came so that you can have true life, real life, and with me, you will find it. Without me, you're going to miss it. And you're going to run to each thing and you're going to say, oh, I thought this was it and it's not it. And then you're going to go to the next thing. You thought, oh, I thought I'd finally, I feel, I thought I'd feel good about myself. That's not going to be it. Jesus says, I'm the gate and only through me will you find true life. And to see all of the different things that are telling you that they can give you life, all you have to do is watch commercials. Right? Like there are, you watch a commercial and it's telling you, hey, hey, just do this. And so let's, let's watch this commercial together and then we'll kind of unpack what it's telling you and what you can find. This is the canoe that a young couple will get gloriously lost in together. This is the checkers game where grandson and granddad will bond. These are the woods where a daughter will tell a mother she's nervous about starting a new school. This is the pool where cannonball records will be broken. This is where new parents will remember life before becoming new parents. And this is the kitchen where the new boyfriend will unofficially become family. sound great? <laughs> Have you ever been on vacation where you don't know where you are? If I'm in a canoe with my wife and we get lost, that's not glorious. <laughs> I, I rented one of these places, and when we got there, it was a lot smaller than the pictures <laughs> led me to believe. We ended up buying an air mattress so my children didn't sleep on the floor. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, hey, Brandon, that's because you're cheap, and you're part, this part of that's right. <laughs> I'll tell you what, a commercial like that, it's never going to live up to what it's selling you. You know where else you can bond with your grandparents? In your living room. <laughs> Do you think the guy who wrote that commercial is thinking, oh, I just really care about family time? No, that was a good commercial. You know, they set up all these different things, and then at the end it's like, it goes in reverse and shows a picture of everything it described earlier. Oh, what are they looking for? Money. Steal, kill, and destroy. You see, one of the sad realities is that in most of life, everyone around you is trying to take something from you. They, they need it. And your friends are your friends often because they feel like they get something from you. But what God says is, look, everything else is trying to take from you. I'm here to give to you. I'm, I'm going to give you what that commercial thinks it's trying to promise you. I actually can deliver. 
I can give you real life, the thing you've been looking for. And the sad thing that happens when you see a commercial like that and you're chasing after it is you run to that vacation. You're like, oh, finally, I'm on vacation. This is so wonderful. And then you spend every moment from that vacation to the next thinking about the next vacation you're going to go on. And planning it and strategizing, when's that going to happen? And Jesus is saying, come to me and you can have life to the full so that every moment you can live into can have contentment built into it. Real life. Verbo. What? Jeez, I'm trying to be too cute. That's not... Jesus, as the good shepherd, he offers us life. Not just that, he, he offers us safety at his own expense. Verses 11 through 13. I'm the good shepherd. So how many times you repeat that? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You see, there is protection built in to the extent to which Jesus is willing to go to save you. He is willing to do absolutely whatever it takes, even when that means sacrificing his own life so that we could be safe, so that we could be saved. You know, one of the most dangerous things in nature, I'm not like a big nature person, but if you're hiking, you got to be really careful to not get between a mother bear and her cubs. Some of you moms know what this is like. You have mother bear syndrome. Because what happens is if you get between a mother bear and her cubs, it will be a fight to the death. A mama bear knows that she is going to do whatever it takes, and she's not even trying to protect her own life. She'll take out whatever's in front of her to save her cubs. Self-sacrifice. This is a hard concept for us because what often happens in our culture is when things get hard, what do we do? We run away. We don't like it when things are hard. We run from hard things instead of running toward them because it might cost me something. It might be hard for me. But the best things in life come from when we're willing to sacrifice of ourselves and not run from difficulty. We were playing uh, Yahtzee last night. It was crazy at my house. There was Yahtzee going on. It was insane. Cookies on the table. So we're playing Yahtzee, and one of my children just starts rolling like hot. She's crushing it. And ended up getting, you know, Yahtzee and the bonus. That's 150 points. It's like, you can't, this is unbeatable at this point. One of my other children was not very happy about this. And it was like, on the verge of quitting. It's like, you know what, I'm done with, I'm done with this game. We're like, hey, you know, records don't quit. We're not going to quit. We're going to see this through. 
So hung in there. It was a positive step. But so often what we do is we'll love something enough until it starts to cost us something. But what would it look like? What does it look like for somebody to have real self-sacrifice because they love something so much they'll do anything to protect and deliver that thing? We're going to watch another clip from a movie. And when we see self-sacrifice, it's beautiful to us. Whether you're a Christian or not, you can see this and be like, that, that is amazing. Let's watch this clip together. Houston, do you copy? This is Harry Stanford. Houston, we're out of here in T-minus three minutes. Gracie. Hi, honey. Grace, I know I promised you I was coming home. I, I don't under, understand. Looks like I'm going to have to break that promise. I am... Um, I lied to you, too, when I told you that I didn't want to be like you. Because I am like you. And everything good that I have in side of me I have from you. I love you so much, Daddy. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I know it, baby. But there won't be anything to be scared of soon. Gracie, I want you to know AJ saved us. He did. And I want you to tell Chick your granddad just before I come up here, Grace. He told me that God gives us children so that we can have roses in December. He gave me a garden full. Oh, garden full, Grace, you really did. I wish I could be there to walk you down the aisle. But I'll... I'll look in on you from time to time, okay, honey? Armageddon that came out in 1997, Harry Stamper was sent to an asteroid that was coming towards Earth that was going to destroy the planet. And it, it comes down to this moment where he has to stay in order to ensure the planet is going to be saved. And he has that conversation with his daughter and tells her, I'm, I'm not going to be able to come home. And so what he does is to say, I am going to sacrifice because I love my daughter so much. And, and if I sacrifice my life, I can deliver everyone who lives on the planet. And so I, re I remember watching this movie and, and growing up and thinking, like, a lot of people thought that it was a really powerful movie. It was a powerful scene. And as we think about self-sacrifice and see it displayed even in Hollywood, it's beautiful to the extent that it shows us what Jesus did for us. You see, we're all in a very similar situation. 
hopelessly doomed with this asteroid of sin and brokenness coming at us, and we need someone to intervene. And Jesus says that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Just going through life and and we wonder like what if things get too hard we get afraid of abandonment or what if what if God really knows all the things that I've done is he just going to run from me would he still use me if if I still have sin in my heart Jesus says I'm the good shepherd things will not never get so hard that I will abandon you And he doesn't just tell us that. He goes through the agony of all the way to the cross where he is going to bear the weight of all of human sin. And he goes all the way there, lays his life down so that he receives the punishment that we deserve and we, through his sacrifice, are set free by the good Shepherd who offers us real life and real safety because he's not going to walk away from you when things get hard. He's in the fire with you. And if you are in the fire right now, if you're in deep amounts of pain, know that the Son of God knows how you feel. We don't serve a God who just distantly tries to heal pain. We serve one that entered our pain and was brutally beaten and crucified, separated from his heavenly Father so that we could be welcomed home. Safety offered to us from the good shepherd that is willing to sacrifice his own life for his sheep. Life, safety, and and connection. We want to feel connected. We want to feel known. In verses 14 through 16, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep, they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus says one of the most difficult things, like for the Pharisees, this is jumping the shark. This is Jesus going too far. Because for a long time, Jews were God's chosen special people. And what he's saying is, I got, I got sheep that are outside of this pen, and, and I'm going to go save them. I need to bring them in the pen. He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. They too will listen to my voice. Hearing the voice of God, knowing, having an intimate relationship with God, the power of the Father's voice, a parent's voice speaking into the life of a child. Unmistakable. I was here uh, just after the first service, and there was a mom heard a cry out in the lobby far away. It was like, that's my kid. I'm going. I got to go help my kid. There's connection. There's intimacy there. 
Here's, we're going to watch another video. I apologize. I don't often show four videos in a service. It's like strange for everyone. Give me a little grace. But this one is when we're going to see the power of the voice of a parent in the mind of a child. Let's watch this video. He's just crying, there's stress, there's anxiety. The hearing aid's put in, hears his mother's voice, and there's peace. All of a sudden, there's just something about hearing your parents' voice. There's something about knowing that everything's going to be okay. I'm with my father, I'm with my mother. See, I think often we can fall into the trap of feeling like, well, if somebody really knew me, if God really knew the things that I've done in the past, then he, he wouldn't want me. He wouldn't want to be around me. Yet there is unbelievable power in the fact that we are intimately known by God. He knows everything that you have ever done and ever thought. And in the midst, in the middle of knowing all of those things, he still died for you. He still went to the cross for you and for me. There's a quote from Tim Keller about the power of us being known. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known... And truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. What if, what if nobody knows me? What if my identity isn't in the friends that I have or the job that I have or my spouse or my family? What if everything changes? What we have in Jesus is a good father that we know and he knows us. And so no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you say, I'm a child of the king. 
I know my Father, and my Father knows me. No matter what happens, I have intimacy in Him, connection found in Him. The conclusion here is what we would maybe anticipate the reaction would be to many of these things that Jesus says in verses 17 through 21. This is how it continues. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. They, they divide. There's two different groups. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Unbelievable promise. Incredible. Like, you're going to lay your life down and take it up again? This is what you're going to do? He says, I have the authority to do it. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. And the truth is, it doesn't matter how lavish the promise is. It matters the ability to follow through on that promise. My wife and I live kind of in the country off of Raisin Center. And ever since we moved into that house, the Internet speed has been a problem for me. It's been like two megabytes per second. I don't know about you, but I had somebody who was in tech support was like, hey, you may want to take up smoking because it's going to take a while to download stuff on that speed. I didn't do that. But one day, we got a letter from MEC, Midwest Energy Company, and they said, we're going to be running fiber optic lines down your road. And you will get speeds of up to 1,000 megabits a second. I'm like, this is not real. This cannot exist. It's not possible. Then one glorious day this past summer, the clouds parted. <laughs> the rainbow, a dove, crazy stuff's happening. They come on our property. They run this line into my house and doggone it. It is fast. 1,000 megabits per second. They did it. What I thought was a crazy, I was like, I would have been like, stop lying to me, man. I don't need to hear that stuff. But they came and they followed through. They made it happen. You see, Jesus makes an incredible, unbelievable promise here. And he actually does it. He lays down his life and he follows through and it changes everything about the way we interpret it interpret the promises of God because he did what he said he would do and we're left with two options and we see them here this man is crazy or he's the king Every person in this room, every person on planet Earth has to deal with the historical figure of Jesus Christ, things he said about himself, the things he did. He lived in this world. There is no gravesite for his body. And you have two options. 
Was he crazy? Or is he the king? And the good shepherd, he offers us life, security, and connection. We find those things in him. They're promised to us through him. And he doesn't just make crazy promises. He delivers. Have you heard the voice of the king? Have you opened your ear to him calling you home? It is the only thing that will satisfy you. Everything else came to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. You know, you, you might be sitting there thinking, well, my, my life's not that bad. I maybe haven't received Jesus, and my, my life looks pretty darn good. It's still a life. And at the end of it, what are you going to have? That's the question. Where will you stand on the day when you breathe your last breath here? Have you heard his voice? Have you come home? Have you said, God, I don't think you're crazy anymore. You are the king. You see, God doesn't want to take anything from you. He wants to give to you. He's a good shepherd. He knows everything about you. And yet he still loves you and died for you so you could come home. That's our hope. Have you heard his voice? Do you know him? Today's a good day to come home. Let's pray and then we'll close. God, we lift this time up to you and thank you that we get to celebrate baptism where we declare that we're dead and buried with Christ and we're raised again to new life. God, you, you're the only hope. You're the only good shepherd. I pray that your voice would speak into the darkness of our hearts and our ears would come alive with the beauty of who you are. Thank you, God, so much for what you've done and what you're doing and what you will do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.